Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Value Line Observer with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. I'm Momentum. And we are 31.3 year Wall Street analysts who have had to take on secret identities and go underground in order to provide you with our candid views on a handful of stocks out of each week's Value Line Investment Survey. You've seen us on TV, you've seen us quoted in the news, but our bosses would never allow our unfiltered views on the air, so we've disguised our voices so they'll never know. This week, we look at the January 6th 2012 edition of the Value Line Investment Survey, small and mid-cap edition. But before we get to what we hope will be three terrific value ideas this week, a couple of important caveats. First, this show is for entertainment purposes only. That's not a guarantee. Secondly, uh, this show is uh, after work. It's a hobby for Mo and I. We are professional analysts during the week that do extensive uh, fundamental research on equities um, but here on the show, we do none of that. We're just hanging out after work. Third, um, my lawyer says I need to remind you that we may not have your best interests in mind and may be recommending that you do the opposite of what actually is in your best interest, so do your own work. And finally, um, I have been heavily drinking this week, so uh, I may be a bit impaired in terms of providing the best possible advice. And Mo, and, it wasn't, yeah. and it wasn't a sea breeze either. No, it was not. It was something a little more stronger. And you were drinking too. I was, but you were drinking the uh, international drinks. I did do that, but you know, I have a, I have a hobby, and it's called drinking. French you martini. Know? I like yeah, it. Yeah, I like you it very much. They're so, good allies. Yeah, they ha well, huh? not always, well, but uh, but they're yeah, martinis. Let's not get I like into their that. Martinis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, congratulations. Well, thank you, Mo. Yep. Thank you very much, and congratulations to you as well. Well, you know it's your yeah. show, and 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 you were the uh, the hot, you were the hot pick for iTunes this week. Well, I put a note. You know, uh, the shows we've been on for about six years, and we generally rank in the top hundred on the iTunes uh, investment podcasts, which is, I guess, cool in some way. But last week, our Happy New Year's show, you know, we both got a little bit overserved. Well, I'll speak for myself, and I don't really remember the ride home, but we popped up to number 25 on iTunes uh, Investment Podcast. So that's cool. Yeah, and I did a little work, too. And you know, did you? Yeah, well, you know, what, you, what you, kind of stuff? It depends on how you cut the numbers, but we actually rank number one. When you look at finance... Podcasts, you know, Apple yeah, Podcasts, right. finance, yeah, investment, yeah, fact-free analysis, fact-free, yeah, yeah, the FFA category right. uh -huh. where we're and we were ranked number one. Well, and also heavily drinking. That yeah. can't be a broad. So category. when you put those three at number one, so so it's like <laughs> so does Apple have like an awards ceremony like the MTV, Absolutely. Absolutely. where where you get like a, a golden iPod or something? We go, do we wear tuxedos and are we we gonna get an award for this? Well, you get a golden. Uh, Casty, really? Called. Yeah, and so, like, how far down do they go? Like, like if you could be like number seven hundred, do you still get one of these? Uh, you know, every year, of course, I go, and we're we're we get a lot of awards there. Get the word. Do I gotta get a tux? Uh, yeah, yeah, you do. You do have to get a tux, and uh, you know, watch for that email, cool. and then you you know you show up. That's all. Well, I'm, I'm not a lot to it. Really, that's great. That's, yeah, that's good. It's and exciting. I'm, you know, it's a chance to get out. Do you have a speech done? 
No, I was going to assign that to you this year. We need to write a yeah. speech. Right. You know, kind of thank you. Thank yeah, all you we're guys, happy, your fans. You know, and thank you. We like to give back. That's you know, cool. we're flattered, that That's kind of cool. stuff. You know, that kind of nonsense. That we, you know. So, yeah, you know, it was very, uh, very interesting. And, and we put a note up on Facebook. So, you know, by the way, we do have a Facebook page, Val Hughes. And, Mo, you should get one. But basically, if you go to that page, you can communicate with other fans of the show. Not that that's a any value whatsoever but then talk, talk about us yeah i guess so or stocks i mean these are everyone likes stocks i mean and so uh and then what we try to do is at least every week it takes itunes a little while to put the show in their you know in their world so i put a link up directly to the show that's cool on uh, facebook so click click you're listening you know it's no no must no fuss you know very so, cool very cool um so here it is, the first week of uh, the new year, and yep. uh, we're off to a uh, a pretty good start roaring. here. Roaring. Yeah, we really are. A roaring uh, start. You know, this recession, this double-dip recession, recession keeps getting canceled, and then it keeps getting, you know, sort of it, it reinvigorated. It goes away. It comes back. It goes away. Uh, today, this morning, it was gone, but then in the afternoon, it was, it was back. back. Yeah. Huh. There's a lot of red on your screen. Well, those your stocks? That's the market. Oh, so, I thought that, that was the, uh, I thought that was your portfolio. No, 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 no. The Russell the Russell 2000 value our benchmark was down 41 basis points today. This is Friday, January 6th. Um, the uh, the best market on my screen was the uh, Argentinian what is that? The Merval. So that must be their their stock market, you know, named in part after me. That, they trade, they trade yeah. mules on that exchange, actually. And then the, uh, the NASDAQ was up 16 basis points. But, no, here's our portfolio right here. A lot of green there. Yeah, there is a lot of green. You know, we beat a little bit today. And then here's all these other fancy charts and things like that. But, you know, the Internet. It's a, it's a podcast yeah, value. They, can't, they can't see all those fancy so uh, I think we're I think we've been having a little bit of a rally since year end. Let me uh, let me punch up the uh, the Russell here. See if we can get a couple weeks of the chart. Chart. Here we are. Year to date. Yeah. Okay. That's up. So we're up a little bit, and uh, I think that the key in 2012 is going to be. Corporate earnings, will they continue to move higher? You know, people think it's a little bit of an anomaly. Uh, will Europe collapse? And, of course, uh, listeners should listen to our Happy New Year show, Mo, because you had quite a nice list of possible disasters in 2012. It was really cheering me up. I uh, don't remember much of that <laughs> show, but if that's... <laughs> no, I mean, there's a lot of things we got to worry about, Um well, we don't have to worry about Michelle Bachman being elected as president, so that was one That's of the things the that table. was probably on my list. Yeah. So the, world, the, the outlook is yeah. meaningfully brighter. Yeah, it is. So, uh, no, I, I actually also on that show, Mo, uh, again, neither of us remember the show, but my wife reminded me that I had been somewhat optimistic about 2012. And the reason I say that is while there was a lot of doom and gloom over the holidays, we had a... A bunch of people over here that were doom and gloom, you know, at that uh, that little soiree Your party. that you don't remember well. But um, 
what I uh, what I pointed out in the show was that when you look at the national economic trends, which are at the St. Louis Economic uh, or the St. Louis Federal Reserve, you go check that out. We're seeing, you know, a few months here in a row, and again, it happened today. An announcement: manufacturing in the U.S. is ticking up, employment in the U.S. ticking up, things are ticking up. And so, when you look back in uh, 1992, 93, 2003, four, um, you know, these are the type of environments you get a year or so after a recession officially ends is you still have these little stops and starts of uh, whether the recovery is really going to take serious root. The truth is it has, but we're not going to be sure of that for another few years until we can look back and say, oh, yeah, we were really clearly in the recovery at that point. So I'm optimistic about equities uh, because I do think that the economy is – it's going to continue to improve. Earnings will still be okay. We do have to worry about interest rates and inflation, but they seem to be held in check at this point because capacity utilization remains in check. And uh, and I'd say this week, Mo, we have three medium value ideas for the for the listeners. You know, I, I heard a word the other day, and I'm not sure how to spell it. Yeah, me too. It was uh, meh, 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 meh. And I think we have three names that are like, man, I wasn't sure whether it was M-E-E-H-A or M-E-H-A. But yeah. they, we have three like, man. Well, I have one ideas. that's a little better than that. But That's uh, a New York one. You know, <clears throat> you get these value lines. I like going through the value lines because it provides a bit of a menu for us and the listener. But, yeah, sometimes you get a week that's just challenging. It's not happening. It's challenging. You know, you'd like to just pass, but then you think, hey, the listener needs an idea. We have a duty. Yeah, we have a duty. So my wife thinks this is like the boys getting together for a card game, and I'm trying to tell her the important work we're doing this for America. This is hard freaking work. This isn't like Ralph Cramden in the bowling no. league that God, gets together no. and does this. This is this is important. Can I let me wipe your brow there? I Oof. mean, this is this is grueling. Uh, this is grueling. And you know, it's not. Uh, can like I give you a topper there? We I pretend mean, yeah. that we're not really doing a lot of research, but the truth is, well, you're doing. A we bit looked at more. The, how long were we downstairs in that bar? <laughs> A couple hours, of which at least least a few minutes. We we did take some time out to look at some of this. You drew a lot of those great bar charts and arrows and things about what you're doing. And I was writing, uh, I think I was writing upside down. That was pretty pretty cool. Yeah, that's how you always know a sell side (laughs) analyst. You can always sit and write upside down effortlessly on a napkin. And And there's charts and circles and lines. I'll buy it. Yeah, I'll buy it. So what's our so what's our first? What are we doing this week? Yeah, okay, what, what are we doing? I will say this week was a challenging week to really go through and look at stuff because they had a big section on electrical equipment, and from thirty thousand feet, I'm a big fan. The grid is a mess. It's not smart. It doesn't know where the electricity is. It doesn't know where the failure is about to occur, and so over the next twenty years, the grid is going to have to improve so people know where to send electricity, where are the leakages, where is it being used. And some people think that you might be able to improve the, uh, in effect, productivity of the grid by as much as 100% because you lose so much power now through the distribution um, of electricity through the grid and through upgrades and better use and smart um, distribution of power to places it's needed, not to places where it's not needed, et cetera, that you can dramatically improve um, the uh, 
What am I looking for? Efficiency or efficiency? Theory? Thank you. Plus, plus the, you get rid of the, the, the Occupy Wall Street guys that have got the uh, you know the extension cords plugged into the uh, the overhead lights. Yeah, all over Manhattan. Not to mention the homeless people. I mean, how much the energy yeah. do they draw? Well, they draw a lot, and you know, so uh, the grid needs to be improved. And so, I always have a sort of a soft spot for grid improvement related ideas. Is that, so, is the, the first, first name, yeah, yeah, the first name does it improve the grid? I hope so. I hope so. And I think I probably, I think we have talked about this one before. So if you go to uh, our site, www.thevalueguys, there's a lot of caveats there and pictures and bios and all that. But there's also a button that gets you to every show we've done for five or six years. And I think uh, if you pull in that RSS code into Internet Explorer or into even... uh, uh, Microsoft Excel, that kind of thing, you'll get a printout of uh, all the shows, all the stocks, all the tickers, and I think AZZ is one that we've done in the past. But that's first up this week, AZZ, ticker AZZ. And before you do your analysis. Yes, sir. Help. I'm not doing any, but go but, ahead. But help me here. Yeah. Provides tubular products for the petroleum and food processing industries. Does that worry you that their clients are both the petroleum industry and the food processing industry? Because, I mean, I've stopped eating bologna because I don't think it's good for you. But it just makes me think that anything with a barcode is not going in my mouth anymore. Yeah. I mean, what is a tubular – is it a hot dog? Is that what a tubular product is for the food industry? Uh, you know, I'm going to guess, Mo, that what they do is they have little pipelines to send beverages to bottles, that kind of thing. You know, in, in, in bottling plants, oh. beverages move through tubes into bottles. Those are tubular products? Aren't they? I don't no. know. I don't know. Oh, they sell tubular products. Let's hmm. see. That's what they sell, tubular products. Let's see. You know, fortunately, what Value Line does is they list these things in the order of importance. So I didn't even get to that part. Oh. What I'm looking at is they manufacture electrical electrical equipment and components for power generation, transmission, and distribution, as well as for industrial markets in the U.S. The company's electrical and industrial product segment offer products that are used to distribute electrical power and to and from generators, transformers, and other switching devices. Sounds like they make wires. Yeah. Well, they make wires, yeah. And tubular products. And maybe the tubes hold the wires, and then they try to find other uses for them. All right, let me, if you you work for Value Line and you had to write a company description, do you think you could do a little better than that? Remember our first job, Mo? We had a half of paragraph to write the entire company description. Yeah. So I think when you have a company like this, which is Ed clearly Barry. diversified, they're doing the best they can. It's value line. I mean, they also provide industrial lighting and tubular products. So I'm going to guess they make tubes. They use them for electricity, but they find other uses in things that need tubes. So lights. Tubular big, electricity. Big lights in parking lots. They use these big tubes or... Uh, <laughs> food, food moves in tubes. Yeah, foods in tubes. Food I mean, in tubes. I can't explain this anymore. I clearly, think th- I can just see soda coming out of one of these big light poles Here. on the street. Oh, we I... sold them the wrong tube. That was supposed to go to the food, the food processing Look, industry. I'm trying to draw this for you. I'm, I'm looking that at that. Is that's what they. But, sell. It, but how can you have hot dogs coming out of a light tube? Anyway, well, 
Yeah, here. There we go. There's the hot dog. Yeah. Tubular yeah. products. Well, okay. that's good. Electric fire. Right. I don't even know what they do. Yeah, we don't, no one knows. Let me so, get into some more of the, the important details. <laughs> all right. Well, first of all, they have a 2.1% yield. And I was looking at the yield curve today, and it turns out that uh, the 10-year treasuries are yielding 2%, and they don't go up in value. They stay the same. This is yielding 2%, and guess what? It might go up in in value and might increase the dividend, you know, you have an ongoing concern. The historical returns on capital here have not been great, but they're all positive, uh, low to mid-single digits, and then a, a sort of a spate of teens numbers a few years ago. Um, earnings are improving right now. I think that capital spending budgets are improving. Uh, we saw the employment numbers go up today. People are hiring. Business is getting a little better. Um, they also provide, the company provides a galvanizing service, which one thing I like about it is it's maintenance-oriented. So even in a world where capacity utilization is low and there's not a big need for new capacity, you've got to galvanize things made out of steel in order to maintain them uh, to their useful lives at the rating that you paid for versus having them uh, fall apart sooner. So galvanizing is a great annuity. And they're putting up, in the last couple years, mid-teens, upper-teens returns on equity, which I like. Uh, the earnings growth is not great, but it's uh, expected to be about, you know, 3 to 5% here from Value Line. The multiple's 15 times, which, um, again, not super cheap, but I think that one element of that is that there's an annuity with regard to helping the grid. And, again, talking about the long-term treasury. That doesn't grow, but it's certain. And at 2%, what is it selling at? 50 times pre-tax. If you have a bond that yields 2%, you're going to get 1.3% after tax. That is 60 times earnings. So when you have an, a, a certain annuity right now in this environment, it's worth a lot. Uh, my question is, are people still using electricity? And do they want to continue using it? And I think there really isn't much more that's certain than that. In fact, with regard to United States bonds, it requires people to pay taxes to pay the interest. I think people are more certain that they want to pay their electric bill than they want to pay their tax bill. So I might argue that the Treasury is actually a little more risky than these electricity yields because no one is going to turn off their electricity. And so I like that element of it. Um, on an enterprise value to EBITDA basis, you know, I haven't done the math, but let's work it through. It's 47 bucks a share, 12 million shares, so that's 460 plus 100, call that 560. There's cash of 150, I'm going to back that out, that's 410, and then I'm going to add in debt of 225, that's 635 in enterprise value. And the EBITDA, uh, it looks like it's... Uh, the operating margin here before depreciation is 22% on, you know, I'll call it $400 million in sales if I'm going to average it. And that's, uh, that's about 80, call it $82 million, $84 million in EBITDA on a $635 million enterprise value. That's 7.74 7 times. And if I take the inverse of that, 1 over 1.7, that's about 12% um, cash on cash return. So that's kind of what I'm focused on. The outlook here, I think, is as good as the outlook for electricity. 
which is not great, but it's certain. So um, 2% yield, a cheap stock, not super cheap, but cheap enough to allow you to have some upside, and you're playing in the grid area, which I think could get this thing, if that really catches fire, to a premium multiple over time. So AZZ. That's yeah, and since, we're, and since we're grading on a curve, I guess we can, I can weigh in and, and, and talk about a couple of good things. Look at, look at this uh, cash flow per share. Cash, you know, these guys have been around on value line since 2003, and in the last, they've, they've only declared a dividend in the last two years. Yeah. And they've hit 460, four, four, call it four and a half bucks a share in cash flow for each of the last three years, and it was only in 2008 that they decided, or 2009, they didn't have a dividend, and it was in 2010 they said, let's declare a dividend. Yeah. And so they've had three years of, of more than enough cash flow to cover a dividend. They've been very, very cautious about moving into that area to pay the dividend. They're, more, they're generating more than enough cash to keep it. So the 2.1% yield looks pretty reasonable. What I'm wondering is, since they're only paying 25 cents a quarter, do they – and they're just getting into this, do they see a little more confidence in the next year? And you, so you actually see a lift in that dividend. And uh, I would be willing to bet you're going to see a l little bit of an uptick in that dividend because they're more than covering it. You know, you're paying out a buck and you're earning four and a half bucks in cash flow per share. So maybe next year they get emboldened. If you're listening out there, raise your dividend. And uh, we can upgrade this from meh. Uh, whoa. <laughs> you have a different rating scale than I do. There are technical terms, I know. No, I, know. I understand. All right, next up, a company called Graph Tech, ticker GTI. I have think I thought it was a Washington lobbying firm, Graft Tech. Hmm. Like, you know, they're in the graft business. Or a medical company. Yeah, either. Yeah. Or, or defense contractor. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's none of those. Oh. Uh, Let's see here. Now the ticker I didn't. I think I mentioned is GTI. I believe we might have done this show in the past. So again, if you're in that little search box in our uh, on our site, check for that. Um, the first thing I'm attracted to here is simply that it's trading at a meaningful discount to the market PE, a 30% discount. And so I keep looking. Uh, return on capital. You know they've had a couple of great years in the 30s. Uh, last year 11%. This year. Um, you know, a little bit less than that. looks like about, uh, and they don't print it here, but I'm going to guess 8%. But then here so far in the 2012 fiscal year, they're putting up, um, at least from an estimate point of view, some pretty good increases over last year. And the last earnings number they put up uh, was a nice gain over the last year in the uh, third quarter of 2011. So, there is some reason to think things will improve, and I think generally the trends are going to f line up with sort of the, gen the trends in general industrial uh, manufacturing, and, uh, and so I'm enthusiastic about that. What do these guys do? Ah, here's That's what, the key. I know what they do. What? Thermal management solutions to the electronics industry. They provide sweaters to con ed execs. Is that what you got from that? Thermal management. Yeah, okay. When, well, when you need some thermal management, what do you do? You add clothes, you take clothes off. Let's take another, let's take another cut at that, which is uh, they provide graphite and carbon material 
Science-based solutions. Science-based solutions. Now, say yeah. that would be as opposed to, you know, born-again born again Christian solutions yeah. or other solutions. They're secular or... science-based solutions. So, huh. uh, yeah, maybe the Christmas time is not a good time to talk about this. Uh, well, one. tell me so exactly. Well, let me tell you a little so more. What is a so, carbon-based, sci- science-based solution? Well, they're using science, which is the uh, study of, of things using the scientific method, you know, you know, to do carbon-based, and they do carbon-based. So uh, they do uh, graphite electrodes, which enable thermal management. Mm-hmm. So I think the management of heat in electric circuits—that's what I—that's what uh, I was getting. Yeah, at. yeah. Not in the people. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I know. You're right. You're. I, I, that's you know what? what I thought. I, I'm thinking you're probably right. Uh, and they have fuel cells and all that. You know, when I read this description, Mo, you know what I think is that this stuff seems all futuristic. Submerged stuff, submerged arc furnaces. That sounds great. Sounds like it's in submarines. Who wouldn't need that? And so uh, when I look no. at their sales line, um, admittedly, they had a tough year, but before the crash, they were growing at a pretty good clip. They had a bad 09. Oof. And then they had a great 2010, and it looks like uh, in 2011 it's it's even better. So mm-hmm. wh- whatever they're doing, people like it. They're earning, uh, you know, right now mid to upper teens returns on capital and equity, and the uh, the valuation is uh, it's 12 times uh, EBITDA, which you know is a little higher than I like. But let's look at the inverse. That's an 8.4 percent pre-tax. Uh, earnings yield, which means if we all bought the company, we bought the stock, we bought the debt, we backed out the cash, we took the operating income as our cash flow, then we would earn an 8.4% return on the cash we invested to do that. And I think that's some kind of anchor on the stock, particularly when you have a product slate that's growing as industrial production. It's not slate. Grows. It's carbon. Is it industrial? So what did I say? You said a slate. product slate carbon slate. Uh, it, I don't think no. it's carbon slate. I think it's. So I think a it's product just... uh, list. Yeah. A list yeah. of of products science based science based that products. are going to have a terrific time. I'm here. telling you. I'm telling you. People are eating this stuff up. Yeah. Well, sales were up. If you look, I mean, they were up forty percent in 2010. And then in 2011, it almost looks like they're up another 50%. Yeah. So I don't know exactly what these carbon-based products do, but uh, people like them a lot. You'd want to do some work here. Look at the 10K. And if you could just but, get back to 2000, you know, 2007, 2008 yeah. levels, you know, they were basically sales per share were about 10. Now, here's the negative. I'm going to have a negative on this one, even though I kind of like it, which is if you look at the share count. I just saw that. They just keep... Going up. Passing out the shares, and in the 2010 period, the increase in sales and shares combined suggests an acquisition. So it may just be that they have a centralized sales force. They keep plugging in little tuck-in acquisitions to benefit from the existing penetration of accounts, and they're looking for a little more penetration. Or they have a very rich executive committee that's been uh, vesting stocks. Well, you just don't know what's happening. But but I would look at that. I'm going to guess that they've, they've acquired some companies. Um, but I like this GraphTech ticker GTI Mo. Meh, 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 meh. All right, not a fan. Okay, we have one last one, and it's the last one and the worst one. Really? I think. I think. I don't know. 
There was a big section this week on semiconductors, which I don't like. Why? Because I don't know which one's going to win. I know they aren't all going to win. And over my entire career, when you look at a bunch of guys making anything that have twice as many companies as you need, they're all trying to win, but half of them are going to lose. And it's very hard to know which half is going to win or lose. And so I bypassed that completely. Then you had a big section on life insurance. And, you know, I mean, these life insurance companies, to me, they basically all look the same. They sell life insurance. It's a big commodity industry. It's hard to make money uh, that's differentiated from someone else. Although I will say the one differentiator is investment returns. So I take your premiums. I have a team. We invest them, and for life insurance companies, the return on that investment is a very important part of the total return to shareholders because uh, the money that's left over after you pay people out their insurance premium, their insurance um, payouts, is uh, is called return on capital. And so, if they have higher investment returns, it helps. Well, you know, it says here that the uh, the company also engages in small real estate. Yeah. Now, I mean, my take is that all real estate in the United States is small these days. Isn't that right? Uh, well, Montana, that's big. But, I mean, you know, you had a $400,000 house. Now it's worth $200,000 yeah. house. Is that small real estate? Yeah. Well, well, probably that's a, and mean, nursing, I, nursing home and other investment operations. I think what these guys have to do, and it's one reason the life insurance companies got caught up in the uh, – you know, the triple the A-rated mortgage-backed securities, is they're looking for good return and yield but very low risk. So when the rating agencies put triple A on something, they buy it. And uh, I think what's happened is that the number of triple A-rated securities, I mean, given that the United States itself has been downgraded, there's fewer and fewer triple A-rated securities, so they have to move into other areas that I think traditionally they weren't in. And right now, I mean, we look at this in the shop – the REIT area is a very attractive area with regard to yield, uh, particularly if you think that over time as, um, you know, the debt crisis sort of cures with time, banks get a little healthier, clearly real estate is, uh, you know, in limited supply or stable supply and should go up in value over time. And maybe they're just leaning a little bit of their investment portfolio in that direction. But I'll, I'll give you, there's, there's really only one thing I like about this stock, and that is it's trading at 46% of book. Now, we owned a bunch of these real estate, these life insurance guys a few years ago, and one thing I know is that in this environment, that book value of a life insurance company, the CFO is trying to make book value the liquidation value. So he's valuing all the securities that they own, trying to put a present value on it. He's looking at all the life insurance in force. He's trying to put a present value on it. You know, if everybody died today, what would we have to pay out, all that? And the book value is what's left over. So the fact that the book value, according to Value Line, is uh, $355 per share, and the price is 134 I think there's a lot of upside. Why do you have that big gap? Well, because there were a couple years where all the life insurance companies had to meaningfully write off assets that were overstated, and I think there's still a reasonable bit of fear in the market that that could happen again. And it, it could happen again. There could still be some overstated assets on the books, but at 43% or 46% of book value, 
you have a lot of cushion in that. Now, we don't get a lot of yield here. I guess I could have done a better job picking a life insurer that offered a yield, and my guess is there is one. But the theme of finding life insurers that sell at big discounts to book because they had a lot of write-offs a few years ago and the market hasn't gotten wise to the fact that that period is over, to me, those sound like opportunity. This National Western Life, I think, was among the uh, biggest discounts to book, so that's why I circled it. But, um, you know, you could kind of look through this week's issue and, and look at other life insurance companies. And there are some good ones, and, and I have recommended others in the past, uh, like Prudential is one I, I know and, and like. But um, this week I'm, I'm going to recommend they fired me. I'd never buy that National stock. Western Life <laughs> Prudential. Well, it wasn't just me. It was three hundred. Yeah, it was three hundred of business. us. <laughs> yeah, right. I remember that. They you, were so cheap they didn't even print out pink slips. You weren't doing any banking. That's why there was no money. Right? Uh-huh. They canned the bank. All the bankers first. Right before we went under, we were issued. We were part of our bonus was in something called future unsecured compensation units. And uh, you can figure out what that acronym is because it was named that very quickly. Future, what was that? Future, Future unsecured, unsecured compensation, compensation units. Ah. Yeah. Okay. FUs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, and then we all got fired. No, we don't even have a pink I didn't even get a, a memento of my firing. I had nothing. Huh. We, we, were in, we were in an auditorium. There were like 500 of us. And you're all fired. Well, those are the good times on Wall Street. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. But anyway, National Western Life, ticker N-W-L-I. And, I'll just and throw, that's all I have. And I'll, I'll, throw in, I'll throw in one last thing, and that is I'm always looking for catalysts. And I look at this stock, and I think for three years it's traded about 150 bucks a share. And, I, and when, when I see a stock that's trading at that consistent of a level, if it's got a high dividend yield, I assume it's a mature company and you're basically harvesting cash. If it's, uh, if it's a company like this where I need to either see an uptick in the dividend or I need to see a little price action, three years of flight, flat price action, we're back to that. We, any of you guys out there know how to spell meh, um, email us because it may be a technical term we use in the future. I think it starts, it starts with an N, doesn't it? N- n- no, I think it's an M. Right. So are what's you, your name? What's you your, what have you, a favorite this I do. I'm, gonna I'm ch- having a favorite as well. A-Z-Z. A-Z- hey, a- that's mine. No, A-Z-Z. I said it first. All right. Both A-Z-Z. of us. Good. Is our favorite. I think they got a shot of raising uh, that dividend. That's about it for this week. Anything else going on, Mo? I'll tell you a quick story. Sure. Got time. I'm reading the um, I'm reading the biography of John D. Rockefeller. You know, we're in the business. It's good. You want to know that the people in our business have, have basically built this country. You know what I learned about John D. Rockefeller that I think many of our listeners will not know? What's that? The city in which he made all his money. People don't know that. What city is that? Cleveland. Was it, was it really? That's where the refiners were. Uh-huh. And what he did in a fine capitalistic uh, approach is he bought up all the railroad tracks that went to all the other refiners and then refused to allow the trains to go to them. Smart. Yeah. <laughs> smart, smart. So as a result, his refined oil uh, turned out to be the best because well, it was available. <laughs> well, you know, he was born right after the recession. After the the Great Depression, and uh, great story. He was 16 years old, and he found an apple that had fall, Which great depression? fallen off the the night. This was his dad. Oh, yeah, this was his dad, and he found an apple that had fallen off of a off of a truck, 
And uh, he took the apple home, and he, and he cleaned it off. He put a little wax on it, and he brought it downtown, and he, and he sold that apple for 25 cents. And he used that money to buy two apples. And he had polished that, those apples up, and he sold those. And I'm like, into the third chapter, and uh, he's like selling 200 of these, you know, apples every day. And then, you know, then he got his inheritance, and, of course, the apple thing went away, which is sort of the moral of the story is America was not built on Selling so apples. It, it was his dad that had the refiner in Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. He's the grandson. Yeah. Ah. Of course, Steve Jobs made a lot of money selling apples. He did, and, and his grandfather was not John D. Yeah. Rockefeller. So maybe there isn't a moral huh. of the story. Anyway, it's a good Whatever. book. That's exciting. Okay, uh, thanks for <laughs> listening, everybody. This has been uh, the Valley Line Observer, uh, the uh, January 6, 2012 edition. See all our caveats, stories, pictures, home movies. Keep the letters coming. At www.thevalueguys.com. And we do take email, val at thevalueguys.com and mo, M-O-E. Not not W. Right. At thevalueguys.com. So thanks for listening, and everybody see you next week. Bye-bye.